He always seems to get involved, doesn't he? I'm telling you, too many coconuts have hit him right on top of the skull. Well, I think uh, Anthony will be a great acquisition. He can do it all. Avery, whose show is this? And we're live. Welcome, everybody, to the uh, live edition of the Anthony Irwin Show. I'm Anthony Irwin. Um, as always, joining you here on this Tuesday afternoon. Um, a lot to get to uh, is is the uh, issue here across <laughs> as we try to figure out what we're going to talk about. A lot to get to. Um, I want to start with... Uh, the latest on the Lakers coaching search, uh, Jovan Buha wrote about uh, their efforts in trying to hire a coach and um, how that is going and how the Lakers perceive uh, what they need to do here. And he basically said that fans of the Lakers are aware of, of uh, how things went last time they went out and tried to get a coach. Uh, it didn't go well. Um, He also said that the Lakers are aware of how that was perceived around the league. Now, there's a few different directions to take that in. I'm going to go ahead and add um, Aaron Larsoul to this, as I'm sure he has thoughts on this um, and thoughts on Hennessy. So there's a lot to get to there. Um, I'll just start by saying this. The fact that they are aware of the fan, I guess, frustration here is interesting because, uh, look, there's no two ways really about this. I don't <laughs> – the frustration, I think, right now with fans, or if you look back even on that, was, all right, you had a chance at hiring the best person available. You uh, basically, according to him and according to reports, uh lowballed him on the offer in terms of years and also tried to attach uh, people to his coaching staff that he wouldn't have otherwise had on there. And he said, no, I'm good. And he winds up coaching uh, the Clippers and uh, the Lakers go out and wind up hiring Frank Vogel, who, uh, you know, worth pointing out, won a championship. So it, I, I would be interested to see what frustrations they consider uh, themselves aware of here and then as far as around the league I don't I don't know how many people were that annoyed with the way that the Lakers handled their coaching search last time around what I do know is that there are quite a few coaches around the league that are kind of annoyed or pissed at how the Lakers handled the firing of Frank Vogel that makes a lot of sense uh, to be completely honest um, so a lot to get to here Aaron I, I'm gonna let you I'm I is there anything in, in involved with this that you can touch on? Yeah, more so the the latter stuff than the the former stuff. Um, okay. I mean the the I think I think it was a years. Uh, well, you know, as, as it relates to the former, I don't mm-hmm. think it was so much a money thing. I think it was a years thing for uh, multiple candidates for Ty, probably all, also for Monty Williams. Um, and we have talked about like where, where teams are in their life cycle before mm-hmm. and mat- matching that with a coach, I think 
is kind of an underrated part of any coaching search. And so the Lakers very specifically and very obviously wanted to tie that coach to LeBron's contract. And the reason for that is with uncertainty after LeBron leaves, what kind of team are you going to have, right? Because this was not an Anthony Davis team. At that point, it was LeBron and all the kids. Um, after, well, Anthony Davis did end up coming after that. But Anthony Davis, when they did the coaching search the first time after Luke Walton got fired, it wasn't necessarily, you didn't know exactly where you were going, right? So wanting to tie the coach to LeBron's tenure is understandable to me. Because different coaches are good for different things, right? Kenny Atkinson in Brooklyn developed all the kids and got them to the place where they could acquire the superstars, Kevin Durant, and you know they they became they probably missed a little bit. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think you're wrong, but you, they they brought like Co- Kenny Atkinson was the coach to uh, build up a young program, but then once they got KD and Kyrie, the the focus shifts, right? The objectives change, so. Uh, I think it was fair for the Lakers to want to tie a coach to that timeline with LeBron because you didn't know what kind of coach you were going to want after LeBron, if LeBron were to leave after the three years. So I think that was fair. But I also think it was fair for coaches to say, that is not what I want, right? So I understood, I kind of understand it from both sides in that case. About the, like, the second part with people being frustrated with how it go, with how it went with Frank. Um, I understand that too. I, I think that's fair. The coaching fraternity is a kind of strange one, though. It is. It is even like more tight knit as a fraternity than the players, uh, even players, right? Because you will yeah. never hear like even like even Jeff Van Stan Gundy, Van Gundy right? went on like Stan a and Jeff, like they, tweet rant they will yesterday never, when they will never question Steve Nash on 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 TV. Even even when they do games where there is an obvious coaching blunder or error, yeah. they don't. They won't bring that up. They'll talk about the refs. They'll talk yeah. about the players, mm-hmm. but they will not. They are not going to criticize one of their own. So it is such a tight fraternity. Um, and there's look. There's only thirty of these jobs, and then you have you know the assistant ranks, which seem to pull from uh, former head coaches, and then those guys get rehashed sometimes. Right? You see with, with Kenny Atkinson on the Warriors. Mike Brown has been Cleveland and the Warriors and the Lakers and the Lakers again. Right? So. And they're all, it's such a tight knit fraternity that they are all reliant on each other for opportunity. They just will not talk about each other and they're very protective of their own. So I do understand, you know, that frustration from the perspective that it's such a tight knit community. I understand them kind of like coming together and at least publicly kind of protecting their own. Now, I, can I, I, don't can I give, you, can yeah. I give a, a tinfoil theory? You can. You ready for this? Always. These are my favorite. Tinfoil Anthony is my favorite. So I, I look, everything you said there about coaches, absolutely right. Uh, they have a very strong coaches union. You know, that is something that is really important to all of them. Um, and, and the kind of steps that need to be followed in order to eventually get a coaching job is also really important, right? The only time that I can really recall coaches really getting angry at a fellow coach was with Jason Kidd. Remember when he was kind of publicly vying for, uh, I, was it the Milwaukee job? I think it was a Milwaukee job. Um, and then, you know, there was obviously. Yeah, there was the, the, bad, the bad exit from, uh, from the, Brooklyn, yes. From, from yeah, the, the way things went down in Brooklyn and, and all of that. So, like, I, I remember 
Uh, that's like the only real time that I can recall coaches getting up in arms with a, a current coach. Or, and and um, that was, that really struck me as interesting. And, you know, Quinn Snyder, uh, you know, was, was at one point taught, linked to the Lakers job and um, it was made very clear via leak. Oh yeah. Quinn is, is totally out on the Lakers job after he saw how things went down with Frank Vogel. And it's like, look, man, if the Lakers showed up and said, hey, Quinn, here's $6 million for the next five years, um, do you want to be the head coach of the Lakers with LeBron James and Anthony Davis? I'm sorry, but like <laughs> that, those leaks from before would fall by the wayside. Like It's not even a tinfoil theory. This is just, sure. like, this is just a human nature theory. He needs it. Look, he, he needs it out there. And every coach that is going to be tied to this Lakers job need it out there that, hey, what you did to Frank Vogel was wrong. And, and yet somebody is going to wind up taking that job. And yeah, will, well, it be, will it be the person that the Lakers wanted from the get-go? Maybe not. But it's not like the Lakers are going to be completely blacklisted as a potential landing spot for these head coaches. It's no, ridiculous. no, yeah. There, there are 30 of these jobs, and there is only one Los Angeles Lakers. And as you mentioned, LeBron James and Anthony Davis are on the roster. Um, so yeah, I mean, part of it is like, if, 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 if Quinn Snyder actually becomes a candidate for this job or whoever else that, you know, is out there, it's probably two things. One, they're giving themselves some cover if they do end up taking the job, right? Like, oh, I didn't like how this went down. Um, so that, that relationship with the rest of the coaching community and even Frank, right? Uh, for down the road or whatever, because Frank is, this is not going to be Frank's last job either. Absolutely not. Uh, so, so that maintains that, right? You get to maintain face for that. Oh, like, I don't like how this went down, but you know, you, you have that, that publicly out there. You have, you get that like a good guy. I'm part of the, the fraternity label, but also like that can be used as a negotiating, right? Like, Oh, I didn't like this. Okay. Well now it's going to cost you an extra whatever. Right. So that can also be used as a negotiating ploy. You have to twist my arm a little bit yeah. more to get me to accept now. Yeah, it's it's gonna take the it's gonna take the extra year just because you pissed off my good old buddy old pal Frank Vogel. <laughs> it's it's gonna require that extra um, sweetener on top. I is there anything when when you look back on the way that things went down with Ty Lue and then the thing the way that things went down with Frank Vogel, I find it interesting that there's you know, when it comes to the way that fans feel about how the hiring went last time. Now, it was it was a just a, a tornado of rumors and names and all of these things. As I recall, like I see Harrison is on here. I don't know if he wants to come up and talk, but I remember covering that. And at that time, it was for Lockdown Lakers. And the like the most the angriest I can recall Pete ever getting on the show was when things fell through with Ty and he and I hopped on there and he was, and, and Pete, you, Aaron, you know, Pete, as well as I do. And I see yep. uh, Trudeau was in here a second ago um, yep. who currently does a show with Pete. Pete is, uh, you know, he, he loves the Lakers uh, like very few others. And he also is going to give the Lakers the benefit of the doubt um, as often as he possibly can. And yet in that moment, when things fell through with Ty, and Monty already went off and went and took the uh, Phoenix, uh, Phoenix Suns head coaching job. And the Lakers were just kind of looking at 
Frank Vogel, who like I always picture Frank getting hired in that moment as like he was sitting there waiting for his interview and Ty Lu storms out of the room and Frank is just like sitting there. And uh, Rob looks at Frank. You like, got you got you got Frank like in the lobby. <laughs> Wait, yeah, like, you got the Frank. interviews lined up back to back. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Frank is like Frank has like Frank has like all of his like, he's holding like you know paperwork. He's holding copy of copies of his resume. <laughs> he's he's just he just he's like just left Kinkos. <laughs> he's like sorting through it. He got his like suit freshly pressed. He's sitting out there in the lobby. Ty Lu like storms out. You know, Ty Lu's like yelling over his shoulder. And, and fuck your door! And he like slams the door. And then Rob like opens up the door. And he's like, all right, who's next? And there's only Frank sitting, waiting in that room. And he looks, he's like, all right, screw it. Frank, you got the job. And then, and then Frank's like, oh, okay. Well, and then, and then, from, uh, <laughs> from how involved, however involved I was in that process and from what I know, et cetera, <laughs> that is not exactly how it was. It's headcanon, man. I'm not even like I, you can give me whatever facts you want here, but that's how I'm picturing it in my head. Uh, you know, uh, I didn't. <laughs> hey, you know what? Run with it. That's that's that. I, look, I don't. Want, I don't want to mess with that for you. Go with it. Um, that, but that yeah. is in fact how it happened. Thank you, thank you. I, I appreciate that, uh, Harrison. You can go ahead and uh, aggregate that if you want. But so, um, but like the why would no? You can't. <laughs> why would? Uh, after the Lakers win a championship with Frank Vogel, why would there still be hearkening back to like, man, I can't believe how things went down with Ty Lue? Because like, look, Ty has done a great job. The Clippers had a more successful season than the Lakers did this year, especially when you account for the fact that I mean, Kawhi Leonard I wasn't I mean, available. I, I mean, I guess. Well, that's the thing is that like, yeah, like Ty, Kawhi wasn't available the entirety of the season. Paul George missed about half the season. Uh, and yet the Clippers are going to be in the lottery this year too. So like, um, like where the, the Ty Lue stuff strikes me as really interesting. Is it a matter of familiarity? Like, Hey, former Laker champion uh, ties to LeBron James probably should have been the first, the, the higher in the first place, all of that stuff. But Frank did win a championship. I guess I don't really understand that specific frustration. Yeah. I think it's because, I mean, he has um, obviously like Ty Ty Lu has has seen as being able to do in some cases um, as a tactician more with less. Um, and Ty Lu's a great he is a great head coach. So I think it feels like plus with the Laker ties, plus with all of that stuff at his birthday, um, plus winning the title previously to getting there. I he, maybe to some Laker fans he feels like the one that got away, but. Again, you keep you keep bringing it up. I have a, I have a championship ring. The Lakers won a goddamn title, so like what that like inherently means you never have to say you're sorry, right? That means whatever happened, however you got there, it was a success. Period. It counts as a success. LeBron's tenure success, Anthony Davis's tenure success, Rob Palinka's tenure success, Frank Vogel's tenure success. So I don't I don't know what the like specific thing with with uh, Ty Lu is uh, also because like Monty's had uh, great runs so far in, in, in Phoenix, they haven't won anything either. So I don't know why Ty Lu. it's probably the, well, there, the how dare you, connection. Aaron. We're supposed to give all the flowers to the Phoenix suns because of a really good regular season. Yeah. What that's what, that's what, about? that's what, that's what they keep telling us. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I tried to I tried to ship the flowers, but I don't know if I'm supposed to ship them to like Cancun, based on how the next couple games <laughs> give go. Them a, yeah, with... Give them a give them a week. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I don't know. The the real answer is I don't know. I don't know why. Uh, you know what? It's kind of maybe like. All right, I'm I'm very publicly sick of Magic and have been so in here, but it kind of is like you know when Magic brought up the Demar Derozan thing. I don't know why that is like the specific point of contention with Laker fans. Obviously, DeMar had a great season, great, you know, first, whatever, two-thirds of the season. So I don't know why DeMar is the specific point of contention, and I don't know why Ty Lue is the specific. Like, those seem to be the flashpoint names for Laker fans. Maybe it's because DeMar, obviously, he was having a great season because he's an L.A. kid, you know, went to SC. Maybe Ty Lue, it's because he played for the Lakers and then, you know, obviously coached LeBron to a title in uh in cleveland but i don't know why those two specifically are the like the ones that just get laker fans going yeah i i mean i i think at the end of the day familiar familiarity has a lot to do with all of this and look if the lakers go out and they hire you know the the right candidate here um as a as big a bummer as it is to continue to see ty Lu continue to 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 be look he is a great head coach like he's in my opinion, very, yes, top, very good. I probably, yes. I would probably put him up in like top five NBA head coaches. I think, like I think that's fair. Yeah, off the top of my head, and so yeah, like in that respect, organizationally, to not have an elite candidate in that position sucks, right? But if they go out and, and to Jovan's reporting and the point that he made there, if they go out and they hire the right candidate here, right? If they somehow walk away with Nick Nurse, if they somehow walk away with Quinn Snyder, then you, you kind of walk away from that. You're like, okay, yeah, it that sucks not to have that guy, but it's at least kind of resolved a little bit here. Um, if they walk well, away on, with Mark Jackson it, and Doc Rivers, I'm going to be like, all right, I really wish we had Ty Lue. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, but part of it, part of it though is, and, and this is like kind of unfair because it's like reductionary, if that's a word. Um, Part of it is like was reductive. I think is the word. I think that's reductive. It. No, I think it's reductive. Reductive. Yeah, there this you is, go. Reductive. This is reductive yeah. because reductivism is the is the because right. Who who is the right candidate? You say if they get end up with the right candidate. Well, Frank Vogel was the right candidate. The Lakers won. I mean, again, the Lakers won a title. So Frank Vogel was the right candidate. Period. They won a title. Would they with any of the other names? Maybe. I don't know but they did with Frank Vogel. So Frank Vogel was the right choice. He was the yeah. right candidate. So I don't, we may not be able to judge. That is pretty reductive. Of like course that. it is. But it's also like how the, pro- the process that- always matters. Okay, no, absolutely. And I'm one who always talks about process being more important than results. Right. I, I mm-hmm. talk about that all the time because that's the only thing that is predictive. Um, the process, if you get the process right, the results may not be right, but good process theoretically long-term leads to better results. Well, like, but like for example, how do we say that Frank like, Vogel was not the at the time? How do uh-huh. we say that? And he wasn't. He was not first on the list, right? How do or we second. Frank Vogel? Wherever or maybe he was, even third. Fine, or maybe but Frank Frank Vogel was the right choice. The Lakers Definitely won a title. Fifth. The Lakers won a title. <laughs> Frank Vogel was the right choice. But like, to, and to, how do we know the, that? But other than that, how do you know yeah. that anybody insert name X, right? How do we know that that is the right choice other than winning? Well, okay. So to your point about how like process 
can be predictive, right? Um, that team was so incredibly talented and so like it fit so perfectly together that one could probably fairly argue that just about any above average head coach wins a championship with that group, right? With a completely bought in LeBron James and Anthony Davis out to prove that the trade was worth it. A team of role players that all fit perfectly into what they needed to do and what the, and what LeBron and AD needed of them. Like any above average head coach would, would have won with that kind of a team, but maybe just, well, but I, I, I mean, come on. You got to be, you got to be kind maybe, of. Maybe, maybe. But to be fair to Frank it, also. I'm not saying was, he didn't add to it. Like he was, he was also a great coach for that team. With and he also the had to navigate to the, the, yeah. the most difficult season in NBA history, right? COVID, uh-huh. the bubble, uh, Kobe passing away. Like all of that stuff matters too. And I'm not saying that he was some miracle worker. I am saying we did see him do that. And the we only did. evidence we have is he did it. Okay. Could other people have? Maybe. Well, the even Lakers, probably the Lakers' own actions after he did that, Aaron, would indicate that they think that was replicable by some other coach too. Given That's the fair. fact that That's they that they fair. gave him a one year ex- extension after that, right? That is fair. And so, that is fair. And but to the to the, like the, the point that I'm, I'm I'm making here is that like in the way that process can predict future failures or future uh, successes, if you look at it from the perspective of like, all right the process that landed you with Frank Vogel in the first place, that was a flawed process. Like it was, it was a shit show. Like I, I, I remember covering that thing um, on a day-to-day basis and, and you just never really knew what you were going to wake up to in terms of the reports that were coming out of that process. And now did it wind up with the right coach? Like you're saying, yeah, I think you, you can, you can say yes, absolutely. He won a championship. They won a championship, but that flawed process also could have helped you predict, did help me predict, okay, but this doesn't mean that this organization has it all figured out. Because what we saw after the, after the Lakers won that championship is they barely extend Frank Vogel, especially in comparison to what other coaches have gotten after they won a championship. They took apart, they ripped apart the uh, team and the culture that won them that championship. And now you see where they have landed since, right? So that flawed process that landed you, Frank Vogel, that predicted the future failures. That helped me predict the future failures. And depending on how they handle the process of handing, uh, of, of hiring a head coach here, like not only does it matter that they walk, around, walk away with the right candidate here, but that process is going to matter again because all we're looking for, all as I, whose job it is, as somebody whose job it is to analyze this team, I'm watching, hey, Will they have they cleared up that process so that if they nail this process, I can now predict that they might nail other processes down the line. And that's that to me, beyond walking away with the right head coach here, that process is really going to be indicative of what comes next for this organization. Is that do you think that's fair? I do. Yeah, yeah, I think that's I think that's fair. Um, I just think that in addition to that, yes, I do think that's fair. But in addition to that, again, like some of it's reductive, but I don't know that we have those answers until you see what it looks like down the road, right? It's kind of like uh, like drafting, you know, in any sport. Right? You got to respect you... the, the, the caterpillar before you get to the butterfly. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, it's, it's hard to know, like, 
the 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 I think I think it is more results based than your than you are giving credit for. It's fine but this year, but this year the results did speak for themselves. Is that how much of that was Frank? How much of that was LeBron? How much of that was AD? How much of that was Russ? How much of that was the roster that that Rob slash AD slash LeBron put together? Like all of that is fair. Um, I just don't know that we know enough about the process until we're down the road, I guess is what I'm saying to like really evaluate it. Yeah, I, I agree. Is there, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and open this up. So I see fresh is on there and um, requested to speak. So I'm going to add fresh Sinatra on here. Um, fresh. Is there any, is there a candidate to this point that above others, you are more intrigued by, um, especially given the way that these playoffs have played out, where once again we're seeing Doc Rivers struggle to uh, close out a series and the coach that he's going up against is somebody that has been linked to the Lakers previously. Um, as difficult logistically as that might be to bring Nick Nurse to the Lakers, um, is, there, is there anything that you've seen to this point in the playoffs that has, has led you to, all right, this candidate – I like more than the others or this candidate. I like more than I maybe originally thought I would. And fresh took off. So no fresh. <laughs> no fresh. Fresh Look, got stale. I mean, I guess we're going to talk about Ben Simmons. So somebody like getting the yes, opportunity let's, to let's shine please. and <laughs> let's, then, yes, and then please. running from that, line, <laughs> that opportunity. You say uh, fresh is Ben Simmons, huh? Okay. <laughs> Shouts, shouts to Fresh for giving me that that great segue. All right. But yeah, let's talk um, about something other. You want to talk Lakers. about Simmons? Do you want? Yes. <laughs> I want to talk about not the Lakers. All right. Uh, all right. I I I'll have a lot of thoughts go. on on Ben Simmons here, and um, I, I I'm gonna get out of your way here, Aaron. And I know I, I know you have to be kind of careful here with talking about somebody who is who is employed by another NBA team, um, kind of, and so I. Here's where I'm here's where I'm kind of hung up on because the mental aspect of this is something that has been echoed. Woj wrote about it, Shams wrote about it, Jake Fisher wrote about it. It's clearly something that somebody within Ben Simmons camp wants out there that mentally and physically this guy isn't ready to play. The part that the, the question I keep on coming back to is are we sure that it's not just life in the NBA that is triggering for Ben Simmons in, in some way here that like, I don't, I don't know how, yes, his back was sore, but he couldn't go to the game. Was it because of everybody making fun of his tropical drink outfit from the game before? Like I, I I'm confused here. What scenario will lend itself to Ben Simmons being mentally ready to play in the NBA. And if that's even logistically possible, given all of the difficulties that come with playing in the NBA. Huh? Yeah. So this is a complicated one um, because look, I, I, I think it's fun on Twitter to get these jokes off at his expense as much as anybody else. Um, but kid and don't play is just an incredible. Yeah, joke. <laughs> that's, that's good. Mm -hmm. uh, Plus, I like the tropical drink. You know, I you know I mess with them pastels. Mm -hmm. um, and I look. I'm, I'm going to be very upfront about this. I suffer from some like anxiety, depression, mental health stuff too. So I am inclined to 
take the man at his word, right? Because I would be. rather like we I would rather be. be wrong. Yeah. I would rather be wrong believing him. Like if he's if he's like duping us all, so be it. I would rather be wrong believing him than be wrong not believing him. Um, but at some point, like, and, and I get it, and it's probably a combination of anxiety over the injury, like not feeling comfortable about his injury. That's probably giving him some. He, that's probably made up some kind of the psychological, mental aspect of it. Of this, that's probably part of it, because um, back injuries are debilitating. The high-profile failures at the free throw line in the playoffs. Um, dealing with the crowd in Philly, certainly dealing with the crowd probably in Brooklyn, like all brother. Aaron, you just cut out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just gotta I gotta call somehow. Um at some point, at some point, brother, you gotta play basketball, right? You're a basketball player, you're an NBA basketball player, you are paid to play basketball. At some point, like even even understanding all that is going on, even even accounting for all of that. And I'm sympathetic to all of his issues physically. I've had two back surgeries. Jamal McGlure told me there is there are two things that will take all the cool out of you, having a daughter and back problems. So I am sympathetic to his physical plight, and I'm sympathetic to his psychological, mental, emotional plight. But at some point, brother, you got to play basketball games. You are paid to play basketball. It is what you do for a living. If it's too much for you, I understand. Then retire. Walk away. At some point, I don't have much sympathy for you. I'm understanding, but I don't have a lot of sympathy for you. At some point, you got to play basketball games, brother. And, like, I don't I, – and, by the way, I still think because of what we've seen from James Harden in Philly and because of getting Seth and your boy Andre Drummond and some draft picks back, I still think, even without Simmons playing, I still think Brooklyn won the trade. But at some point, Ben Simmons has to play basketball. And will that be game one of next year? Probably, and I hope so. But I'm running out. Of, like, I think Stephen A is going too far, but I'm running out of sympathy for Ben Simmons at this point. And I think everybody, Simmons, Clutch, uh, the Nets, and the Sixers, like, everybody has, has bungled this, right? Like, Stop telling us that he's about to play and he, it looks good. Like, yeah, I think everybody has everybody has has blood on their hands. Everybody has failed here, but when it comes down to it, everybody. I mean, Ben Simmons, you have to play basketball. Period. You have to work through whatever physical, emotional, mental stuff you've got going. There are no excuses for you anymore. He set out the entire season. Like, mm, you got a little back trouble. We're not sitting out the whole season. Um, and I also think right. it's interesting like, the, sorry, the one last part of this on like a more macro scale is this is going to have ramifications for what the NBA looks like going forward because there yeah. are already teams that are like, we have to rein this back in. You and I talk a lot about like player empowerment and how much power players have with teams, but at some point there is going to be some kind of provision about if you want to get paid, you actually have to play. I mean, that's clear. We're that that's probably going to be priority number one in the CBA, right? I think it, it will be. I don't know. I don't know if they're going to get it, but I think it will be for the teams. Yes. Yeah, like they, they, you know, these teams are signing these guys to these contracts that are worth hundreds of millions of dollars, and they aren't positive when they're signing them 
that, you know, A, while they're on that team, how often those guys are going to be able to suit up and B, how long that player is looking to stay on that team. Because what we've gotten a lot lately is these guys signing the, the max, the super max extension then immediately looking for a situation that lends itself to better, uh, better success, which, you know, again, all within their rights as professionals, you know, we should all constantly be looking for better situations for ourselves. Uh, but you also have contractual obligations. And in Simmons case, he just chose not to show up to work for Philly. And then, you know, according to some of the whispers, like they, there's some of that maybe potentially going on still in Brooklyn. Like the fact that they have to continue to have these conversations with Clutch makes you wonder like, all right, what is it? Is it mental? Is it physical? Is it, is it, is it Clutch? Like trying to manage the narrative around this guy? Like it could be any number of things. I want to go back to, well, hold on. One, one thing, part of it, part of it maybe, as you say, like kind of manage the messaging. Part of it may be an attempt from Clutch to strengthen their case against the the Sixers in arbitration to get some of that money back. That may be mm -hmm. part of it. Like this is a real yeah. thing. See, it wasn't just about the Sixers. He's There's really millions of dollars on the line. Right. He really can't play. So I mean, that may be that may be part of it also. But Ben Simmons got to. Go, I mean, you got to play basketball. I want to also go back to some of the things that like his people. Some of these, like Stephen A. Smith, Reggie Miller, I think Kendrick Perkins compared him to a, a woman, a really pretty woman who smoked cigarettes. Like, like some of the things that. What did, players, wait, well, hold on. What did, what did Perk say? Dude, you didn't see that? No, no I didn't way. See what did Perk say? He said, he said, like, he's Ben Simmons is that hot girl at a club that you see and you wonder, like, why is she single? And then you realize, uh, and then you learn that she smokes cigarettes. That's, that's. That's funny. I, I, don't, I was going to say more, but that's funny. <laughs> but, but like, all right. So we saw, um, I think, I think uh, Stephen A. Smith called Ben Simmons the most selfish superstar in maybe in NBA history, definitely, but maybe pro sports history. I might have that quote wrong. Um, Reggie super, Miller. A superstar is a, we got a wide definition well, of right, superstar star, to begin with. St I think he might have, he probably said star. You're right. Um, Reggie Miller tweeted that Ben Simmons doesn't have, uh, you know, competitive fire for sitting out the way that he has. Again, Kendrick Perkins comparing him to a a, a hot chick with a smoking habit. Um, and like the thing that, man, I'm trying to say this. No, you know what? I'm just going to say it. People who have these jobs and these platforms on TV always know more than they let on. Right. There's always some kind of a have. There's always some kind of uh, help it with kind of figuring out. All right, how far can I go on this person? How far can I go on this person? What do I know about this situation? How far yes. can I go on this situation? Like Kendrick Perkins, Stephen A. Smith, Charles Barkley, Shaq, Kenny Smith, like all of these people. With hell, even yourself and myself, Aaron, yes. to a lesser extent. Like we always know more then we let on because there are some topics that like we, we flat out cannot touch because they're dangerous in terms of like potential libel suits. And then also because there are, there are relationships, working relationships that you have to have with people in and around the league that allow you to continue to do your job to the level that we are all expected to do our jobs. And what I find really, really interesting here
is how far guys like Stephen A. Smith, guys like Reggie Miller, guys like Shaq and Charles and Kendrick are willing to go on Ben Simmons. And, and maybe I'm reading too much into the situation, but it indicates to me potentially that there is more going on here. That, well, we know that there is more going on here, but it's to the point where like there are enough people now with, we know that there were people frustrated with Simmons with the Philadelphia 76ers. And now it makes you wonder if there are enough people frustrated with Ben Simmons with Brooklyn who are all saying, no, man, this guy just doesn't want to play. And, and that's the part that I keep coming back to in terms of my, the way that people around the league are reacting to this entire situation. 